This is always the hardest part. I was one, two, three, pause. Hello, Levi. <laughs> Hello, sir. No, no, I, I got to say one, two, three, then I'll pause and then you say it. Okay. Okay. Ready? One, two, three. Hello, Levi. Hello. Oh, <laughs> that's good. Got it. All right, go for it. Okay. Done. Okay. One, two, three. Hello, Levi. Hey, man, how are you? I'm doing good. We we meet again uh, after our, our uh, after our time in Gen Con. Not Gen Con. Oh, it's late. Oh, it's how dare you, sir? <laughs> I don't even know why I said Gary Con. I I, I mean I already say what did I say? I don't know what I said. Gen-Con. Yes, I'm okay. Yes, <laughs> maybe I'll start over. <laughs> sure enough, let's do it. Okay, let's start over again. <clears throat> I must be tired. <laughs> One, two, three. Welcome to RPG Ramblings with Jeff Jones. This is a weekly show exploring the various details of the tabletop RPG hobby through discussions with interesting people. Today, Levi Combs of Planet X Games joins me. He is half out. <laughs> Today, Levi Combs of Planet X Games joins me. Hot off his Kickstarter, we speak on a number of topics, including our mutual admiration for Trevor Stamper. He needs to start a fan club. I got work to do. Kickstarters don't get fulfilled by writing overly long intros. Sisters and brothers, it is time to get rambling. Hello, Levi. Hey, man. How are you? I am doing quite well. How are you doing? I'm I'm great. <laughs> you happy are to, doing I'm great. Happy to be back on the uh, on the show. Yeah, well, it's great <laughs> to have you. We uh, we spent a little time in uh, in Game Hole Con. Yes, sir. It was it was quite an event. It was my favorite con uh, that I've been to yet. Um, last year was 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 pretty steep, and those North Texas cons are fantastic. But I think this tops them all. Had a really really good con. Yeah, it was, it was, uh, you didn't get together for the RPG zine, uh, hangout, um, that we did. No, I was in a, I was in a, um, uh, what was it? A, uh, seminar. Yeah. So I didn't get out in time. Yeah, that was good. Um, but I will say, and, uh, that the game that I was in that you ran, that which was my number one pick is when yes. you, when you go to this convention, you want to pick a game your first choice is probably the only thing you're going to get because once <laughs> noon hits the servers take a big hit as 5,000 people converge at the same time and likely <laughs> the games you're wanting also the games other people are wanting but yours was was top of my list i was able to secure a ticket nice and and, um, and i would give my review to um my my friend uh, ralph each day and um and your, I would say you, your game uh, ranks number one. I've, I've, I've done, I've, I've thought about this quite a bit because this is, this is the nonsense I do. But your game oh. remains number one when compared to uh, all the other games I've played. And I was in some good games. Oh man, that's a compliment. Thank you. But I think there's I'll a number. Of, <laughs> I think there's a number of reasons. <clears throat> so the first thing I, I thought because we played the. Um, uh, Skullcano Island. Yeah, Escape from Skullcano Island. Escape yes. from Skullcano Island. Um, and 
what I really enjoyed uh, was the the setting was cool, uh, but the set piece of the uh, spoiler of the the giant um, uh, robotic kaiju esque. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, gorilla thing was was pretty cool the room in which we were able to operate the head of this of this creature uh, <laughs> was pretty cool and i think what i liked about it and also listening to your talk and other things is you you made uh it seems like you made the location very memorable in a lot of different ways uh, well, hey, that's good to hear. I will take those compliments and uh, any more you want to throw my way. Yeah, there's um, there's, still, there's more coming, Levi. So no, <laughs> uh, no. So that that uh that scenario. Um, so essentially, you're you're investigating the the interior of uh, Mecca King Kong. So the in the old Toho, um, ja the old Japanese Toho uh, kaiju films like Godzilla, Rodan, uh, Gamera. Um, after a while, the the kaiju the, they started to go into like um, like robotic and you know um, big metal versions of you know there was Mecha Godzilla there was Mecha um, King Ghidorah and there was a Mecha King it was just Mecha Kong for a while and it's so ridiculous looking yeah and so and so campy I was like well what if I just put like the ruins of this thing that like got damaged in a battle in the, in the middle of this you know, crazy team jungle teeming with dinosaurs and all kinds of weird threats. And you have to kind of um, explore the interior of it. And then if you get up to the brain, the head area, there's these crazy levers you, that, that, that you can operate, but like they're not made for man-sized creatures. You got to right. figure out how do I operate them? Yeah. So it's, it, it does make for a very uh, memorable set piece. Yeah. I, and I, I thought, it's not just that, but I think the the description in the room, the alien. Um, <laughs> I think I thought, and also it did not hurt at all that you went all um, expedition to Barrier Peaks and actually had a <laughs> image of that room. Yeah, yeah, which which helped kind of really cement what you wanted. I mean, help the players visualize. Yeah, um, so something I started doing a couple cons ago, because, um, you know, I've only been doing cons for a couple of years, so um, my first year of gaming at cons was, was really me just feeling it out. Like like when you played Jungle Tomb and the Mummy Bride um, last year, it was, you know, I was just kind of really feeling out, like, what is the proper length for a scenario at a con? Like, what should I bring? What should, you know, so that one, to me, was not not the greatest game that I ran. Um, but now I kind of have it dialed in. Like, it needs to be three or four hours. It needs to be at a really cool location. It needs to be lots of potential for, uh, like, player agency. And I need to have those handouts. So I just ended up making a bunch of handouts for the, for the games. Well, I think what also helped, which, strangely enough, it was the same group that we had, uh, at least the, the father-daughter team. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And, and I was like... They're great. I think what happened was before the the if it was the father I think he was the one that just wanted to explore every room you yeah. know and I, I'm like you know I don't I really don't care about I want to get right to the mummy bride like here you know my goal <laughs> is just get wherever I need to go as fast as possible because that's what I want to experience because I only have so many hours but it seemed sure. like in this one there was a lot of in, in my mind we just need to go to the head because that's where the fun was you know it's like if I can if that's a trip through this this creature to go right to the head, or I can go right through its nostrils, I'll go right through its yeah. nostrils. 
And, yeah, it was uh, very. You guys, you guys were very close on that. And so, uh, but I think as a group, we were uh, aligned much better as far as going than the forward. previous year. Yeah, yeah. If we all wanted to explore rooms and spend all our times, you know, checking every nook and cranny, that's fine. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. But you know, when you have different people having different, you know you know, what's, what's fun, but I think we were well aligned. The other thing is, and I haven't quite fully thought this through, this is going to seem like a, I'm going to take a, what's going to seem like a curve. I'm going to turn it around. Okay. It's a <laughs> right. curveball. Okay. This is like a curveball where instead of throwing at you and it curves, I turn away from you and I throw it like a boomerang and it kind of comes around. <laughs> so uh, this year, my daughter says to my wife, my oldest daughter says to my wife, she says, she says, I get my looks from you, but I get my ADD from my dad. All right. And I, and I told my wife, I don't have ADD. <laughs> and so I, she says, well, Abby says X, Y, and Z. So I, I diagnosed myself by going on the internet because that's the, the right way to do things. And I do believe I'm, I have, I do have some strong tendencies for ADD. And I, now that I know it, I can see when things are happening that affect me. And one of the things I found, I have problems at conventions, playing games, sometimes being able to keep and focus on the game. Sure. Now, now I'm starting to understand why I have problems. I did not have... For the most part, I won't say I never did blip out for a bit, but I didn't have any problems in your game. Oh, well, I'm glad it worked out. <laughs> and I, and I, but I, but I, but I analyze this because this is what I do because I got nothing else better to do than just analyze nonsense. I think what it has to do is my problem is being able to hear what the GM's saying. It's also a problem if there's too much exposition and complexity. And two, if things de evolve into too much, just people just, stalemating sure and it didn't happen with your game uh you, you, everything was clear things moved along quickly and you didn't you didn't spend 10 minutes setting the dumb thing up oh yeah so that's one of the things that i found that i i don't enjoy either is um if you have more than like a minute or a minute and a half of you just reading something to me. I that's when that that zone that you know ninety second zone is about when I start fading out to like okay, I'm, <laughs> yes. I'm just, and I'm just hearing every every other word. So I just um, I just narrowed it down to like let me give like a three paragraph blurb at most. Yeah. Let's get right into it. Yeah, yeah. You're on an island. There's kaiju. You need to save the world. There's a volcano somewhere. Go. Okay. Yeah. So these, you know, listen, these, these modules, they're made for, you know, months and months of play. So you have to distill down, um, you know, to one scenario or one, uh, you know, little mini adventure for a con because you want people to have a sense of completion, uh, but it also for it to be memorable. So looking through that book, the, there were a couple locations that I was I was kind of you know tossing about in my head. But I thought this would be a really good one because you know you guys you know kind of went straight to the you know straight to the source of the of the problem, which is great, um, and didn't get really a, a big chance to explore much of the rest of the of the thing. But you know there are all kinds of 
you know, environmental threats, there's hazards, there's monsters, there's cool things to find and interact with. Uh, like the like the stuff that was going on there in the inside the head of the of the big rusting hulk of a yeah you yeah and I think if if you know obviously if we were to be playing a campaign I still may want to go to the head first but I may actually work my way backwards you know uh, to see what was going on but but for the con game that worked out perfect yeah and i think it's important for people who like either run that or rerun their own scenarios is that you know you sometimes you have to change things for con games you have to simplify things sometimes or just hey uh, instead of them having to go and get you know these three or four items to to make this happen maybe we narrow it down to two items so that there's fun there's plenty of time on the other side to do some fun things and i will say i uh, you know the the uh, spoiler alert uh, the uh, two-headed uh, King Kong, not Kong analog, uh, attacking the the giant head that we were flying around in. You know, I don't know that. I I think what you did was the mechanics weren't really complicated, but I think the idea that you threw in uh, the narration the way you did also kept the game interesting and fun. Yeah, well, so one of the cool things about that module um, that I've I've I discovered in playtest, but also like playing with my own home group, was um, when you're dealing with creatures of that size, creatures that are titanic and so you know 150, 200 feet, you know, tall, they can do things that other creatures can't. You know, not even like a tarasque like creature. Right. Like if um, somebody's just being annoying, they'll just smash the side of a mountain, and all of a sudden you're caught in an avalanche. Now, how are you going to deal with that? Or if they get you, they'll just throw you a half mile that way. You know, good luck surviving that, you know. <laughs> um, but, um, but, you know, I find that those kind of situations also make for really good play opportunities because it, it makes characters have to think on their feet. They're not just, the monster isn't just hitting them or they're not just trying to kill the monster. There's all this environmental stuff going on around it. So, um you know, like like when the thing jumped on top of the of the the giant floating head that you yeah. guys were flying around, like oh, Dzardas, obviously. But um, when it you know it jumped on top of that and started you know beating it to pieces, like and after you know the the uh, one the one player had fireballed it a couple of times, it was already you know, already beat <laughs> <beaten> up. <laughs> like it was just it just made for really good play, and uh, it's not just fists and claws anymore. Now it's you know we we have a, there's a whole environmental piece to it. Well, I think what was nice is um, I'm usually pretty good about picking up where things are going, um, and I think you did throw a curve there that I wasn't expecting. Well, I, I, I'm real big on player agency. Um, a lot of stuff that I write is is sandbox and they, there's an adventure in there for sure. Well, I mean, I mean the the call going out. I thought it meant a certain thing. I made some assumptions. Oh, yeah. I made a lot of assumptions. <laughs> what I'm saying is. You did a good job with it. it my assumptions were wrong. And, and I don't know what the reasoning was behind what happened, but it was satisfying knowing that I wasn't right. Yeah. And there's so much, um, there's so much, you know, when you're dealing with like an element of like, you're talking about barrier peaks earlier. Yeah. It has to be a very alien element. You shouldn't be able to um, predict exactly what's going to happen from, from moment to moment when you're dealing with that sort of thing. So the fact that that, you know, and just for people who are listening, they were pulling these giant levers inside of this inside of this uh, mecha kaiju's head, and it ended up summoning 
from across the island and it was something like another creature kind of like it. It was a big stone head. Like if you've ever seen the movie Zardoz, it was like that. And they were able, instead of it coming to attack them, they were able to actually get into the, you know, in, in, only after we the, thought it was going to attack us and only <laughs> after we shot fireballs and lightning bolts into the, into the vehicle. <laughs> but they, yeah, you guys were able to fly that around the, you know, Fly that around the island to you know while fly you know flight of the Valkyries played you know <laughs> and you can take that anywhere and I was I was ready to allow you guys to just basically have player agency and take that anywhere you wanted to. Well, my so. assumption was that that was the creature that killed the mecha that we were in, and that it was like a calm response, and then the Godzilla was <laughs> coming to take care of business again. Like, oh, uh, he's not dead. Uh, I was. I would have. <laughs> Or a bet, man. I probably would have bet some money on that one, but that wasn't the case. So, isn't it cooler though? Like when you look back on that game, instead of like having to fight one kaiju after the other, after right. a dinosaur, after the, that, instead you got to fly around basically what is like the poor man's Isle of Dread, and you get to fly around in this uh, giant stone head, spitting fireballs and lightning bolts and headbutting kaiju. Well, theoretically, you know, like, we 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 partially broke it and then Kong broke yes. it the rest of the way. So theoretically, yes, that would have been good. Theoretically, yes, that would have been enjoyable. Uh, but I we wouldn't know that. <laughs> you know, one of the great play tests I had with that module, um uh Ben Grimes is a great player that I see at a lot of the um Northeast conventions. Um Gary Kahn. Um he uh so there's a, a potion of uh like titanic growth it's like a, a potion that makes you like you know 50 60 feet tall and he's uh there the, the party is riding around this zardoz head and they see this kaiju and he jumps out of the thing's mouth and as he's going down he's drinking this potion and in mid-air he turns into this like you know 50, 60, 70 foot creature and does like a macho man elbow smash on the side of uh this kaiju's head and rolls a 20. I mean, like that is some memorable role play. Like when do you ever yeah. get a chance to do things like that? You really don't. So when you do at a con, like it, it helps to make for a memorable game. One thing I did realize is you, you chose to run this in first edition D and D. Yes. And it's been 40 years since I played first edition D and D. And so I play. I mistakenly uh, picked a fighter and I, I really just forgot, like compared to a magic user, uh, like how little they can do compared to a magic user. Oh, see, yeah. I, I, I disagree. I think that one of the strongest characters in first edition D and D is the high level fighter because they are so durable. They can deal out so much damage and things don't have the hit points that they well, do in later editions. Well, the, 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 I did make a, a complete error in judgment because <laughs> I assumed a number of things wrong. I assumed that the kaiju were not going to be playing the, the, into the D&D, normal AD&D rules, and I forgot everything is hit points. So I'm not saying you're wrong, but if I had done this, and this is the problem because I was thinking like I would think, I would think it really doesn't matter which how how many pluses your magic sword has you're going to do nothing to this guy like you you're gonna to have to grow big and do it that's the only so the terrible assumption i made was that i couldn't damage it and that was a bad assumption on my part 
Because yeah, actually, sure, I should you damage it. sure you can damage it. If yeah. You can damage. I mean, they you know they that, have, regener- but, but they have that, regeneration the, and they can do all kinds of cool things. No, but, but the thing is, what you did there was that was that's the way AD and D was and is. Yeah. But in my mind, I haven't played for so long. I I was you know I'm thinking, surely I can't kill a god. And you're like. Well, it's got 200 hit points. You can try. <laughs> but, I'm like, I'm like, but the, the, that's A, D, and D, you know. And I, right. I, I, I made the mistake of like, you know, thinking I couldn't, where I could do. I, I actually was doing pretty good damage, but, but I'm just still say it's like the, the mage. It just it goes to show that, you know, to me, even at low level mages, predi- predi- I can never say it. Predigitation, predigitation, whatever that word is. Right. Prestigitation. Prestigitation. <laughs> if if I have a magic user with nearly unlimited, uh, whatever that word is, I'd be happy. In fact, I played in the AA Castles and Crusades game where I played a cleric of death. But I was just a magic okay. user doing that uh, prestigitation. <laughs> so I could fake everything out. You know, I could pull souls out of people's bodies. I I mean, I could turn my eyes into skeleton, uh, to, to skulls and crossbones. I mean, I could do it all. I mean, you can have so much fun with that stupid little spell. And it's like, <laughs> so anyhow, that was good. Um, and that was kind of my, my takeaway. It was, no, it was a great game and it was a fun adventure. Oh, I had and, a uh, really good time running it, actually. Um, that's one of my more favorite ones to run at cons this year. I, I got to change my games up every year for cons, uh, but I tend to run the same like schedule and the same edition. So like next year, I'm running all uh, second edition. So this year was all first edition. So like when you see me at GaryCon, I'll be running all second edition. And I've never played second edition ever, oh. ever. That's great. Ever. Not that far off from first edition. <laughs> no, well, I'll have to wait till next year. So, and uh, so um, no, that was good. And you also just came off your Kickstarter, the Three Curses for Sister Saren. Yeah, uh, Three Curses for Sister Saren. Um, it's a it's a 5e adventure and it's uh it's low level it's for meant for first to third level characters depending on how many people you have in the group um there's a real heavy element of um investigation and uh, and role play but then there's lots of opportunities for like stealthing things instead of fighting them or figuring your way around um certain obstacles rather than just you know, trying to beat them down with a hammer. If 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 a group comes into the game and they are into this module thinking they can solve everything with a sword, um, it's probably not going to go over well. However, if they, uh, you know, like all literally everybody who's play tested it so far has been uh, has been great um, at figuring things out and uh, putting two and two together. I've only had one one um, one group who. Um, <laughs> zigged when they should have zagged and uh ended up the whole party ended up uh toast but um otherwise the other three playtest groups have been you know fabulous mistakes really will be together. made mistakes will be yeah made. sometimes it happens like that <laughs> but um you know it has it has a, a it owes a lot to uh like early D modules but um there's a there's a subgenre of exploitation and grindhouse films called Nunsploitation, and it's all about basically like you know um, nuns or priests getting possessed. Um, now later on uh, with those films, especially in Italy, 
Um, especially in Italy, especially in Italy, like the, 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 the possession angle became secondary or even, or or even non-existent to them just being like softball porn. Uh, but this has, this, this is not that this is the possession angle of non-exploitation. So what Um, what you're saying is you have this, we'll call it, maybe we just call it Catholic exploitation and that forks off to pre-exploitation, (laughs) non-exploitation. <laughs> They're just religious films, you know. There was a, there was always like, especially after The Exorcist, there was, um, I mean, a whole subgenre of horror uh, sprung up uh, in cinema around after The Exorcist was this, you know, landmark perfect film that you know that comes yeah. out and blows everyone away, huge word of mouth. Um, so then you get about six to eight years of just possession film after possession film after possession film. Um, and still, to this day, we, st- we still get them, um, even though that was pretty thoroughly explored. In the <laughs> we're still getting possession films, which is I like fine. it when you say you who, who likes these kinds of things, you're saying, OK, I think we've reached the point of maximum saturation. We're now reaching a super saturated solution. Oh, yeah. And now crystalline structures are going to form on my walls because of the of this. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, it it always comes it always comes back around. Like I mean, there are there's there's a great uh, I, I say I say great. It's not great, but there is a uh, there is a very interesting clip on on YouTube of Turkish Exorcist, which is basically just uh, Turkish filmmakers ripping off The Exorcist wholesale lines, the whole storyline, everything, and just making their own version. They did with Turkish Star Wars, Turkish Spider-Man. There's all kinds of Turkish films that, that that do this. But the Turkish Exorcist, if you're listeners, if you're listening to this, go on to YouTube, type in Turkish Exorcist and watch like the best clips um because they're hysterical. Like it's, it's they're so ridiculous and so over the top that they're they 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 uh, go into the it become very entertaining. So um definitely worth watching but none of that actually had to do anything with uh sister saren <laughs> well what i heard that if you had reached uh ten thousand dollars of funding that it would have actually kicked a new uh tier uh, and it you would have done the four curses of sister saren is that the case and at fifteen thousand, it would have been the five curses of of, uh, yeah, no. <laughs> okay. No, obviously the the name Three Curses of Sister Sarah, Three Curses for Sister Sarah, is a is a take off the John Wayne movie, uh, Three Mules for Sister Sarah. Oh, I've I've not uh, I, I've, my 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 it was lost on me because my my John Wayne uh, uh, cred is pretty poor. There's a. Um, and also, you know, and only one other person has, has caught this so far in the discussions about this about this module. But um, back in the old um, TSR days in the comic books, <clears throat> there was a um, like a running ad in the back for for AD and D. Do you remember those? Like they were, they were like a full page comic, and I think that was it was done by Bill Willingham. He did those. It, it wasn't for ADD, was it? It was for. Oh, maybe for just yeah, maybe just for BX. Yeah. Um, but do you remember the? Do you oh, remember the advertisements? Yes. Yeah. So, uh, in, in one of those advertisements, one of the characters that's getting saved from you know the green slime or the I don't know the zombies or whatever is this character Saren. They just say, "Oh, we must get Saren to the cleric," you know, or whatever. Just you know, to just try oh. to or whatever. And that name Saren always stuck with me. I was from from being a, you know, a teenager. 
So uh, I've used that name many, many times in my home campaigns. I thought, well, that would be really cool. Instead of three mules for Sister Sarah, we'll do three curses for Sister Saren. And uh, it just turned out it just turned out that way that it that it worked out. So you know, you see how astounding is it if you think about it. You know, Gary puts out some booklets, it sells, he puts out a few things, it sells, and all of a sudden they come out within a few short years, there's comic book ads. Yeah. <laughs> like within like what five years? I don't know. Mm-hmm. There's kind of like within five years, there's comic book ads. Like that is yeah. crazy. No, I mean, um, I mean, all this stuff is pretty well documented in, in, in several different books, um, you know, Slaying the Dragon and all that, all that stuff uh, about those early days of TSR. But like, you know, they really didn't have any idea that it was going to avalanche the way that it did. You know, and then when it started getting bad press, that was people wanted it even even more, yeah. you know, the whole satanic panic thing. And when it was on 60 Minutes, that just made it more popular than ever. So, you know, you go from like, again, those little booklets to, you know. A couple of years later, you're you're running advertisements to the back of Spider Man. You know, it's crazy. And, like, I, it's not that it just reached a level, but like that was a direction. Like, yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> it, I it worked. I mean, I remember reading them. It affected me. I mean, I I got very it it affected me emotionally. Not like bad. But I mean, it, it was evoked really good emotions and excitement and wonder. I mean, it it did exactly what it was supposed to do. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's like, a thousand percent, man. I, you know, because you know what? I've I, I read all those uh, comics where, you know, the guy shooting, was it Twinkies out of his shoes? And uh, to satisfy these villains, didn't make me want Twinkies. You know? Well, you didn't like Twinkie the Kid? Well, I like Twinkies, but it didn't make me like, I didn't go like, oh, I must go get a, uh, you know, but read those D's. Like, I want to be part of that. Like, I don't know what's going on here, but this is pretty cool. Whatever this, this, thing is yeah oh for hey for what it's worth i loved twinkie the kid twinkie i loved kid. him so much that I, I i put a version of him in one of my my weird west uh you <laughs> say a perversion of him? yeah he's twink <laughs> twinkie twinkie the kid <laughs> i mean come on i mean what's 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 cooler than a uh having to have a shootout in the middle of town uh at high noon with uh a cream filled sponge cake of evil, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't know about you. That's, that, that's the kind of, that's, that's the way that I like to roll. <laughs> well, you're almost dealing with this stay puff marshmallow man at that point. I think level of, uh, no, very much focus. so. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was pretty cool. So yeah. So that Kickstarter, uh, man, I'm, I'm hitting the last bits of fame. I've, I've, I just realized, at least especially with this one, like how terrible I am at marketing. <laughs> no, Matt, Fame of the Fly God is a, is a great name. It, it is. has a great. It has a great visual to it. Uh, and having read a little bit of it, I I can tell you, like I I'm very much looking forward to it. And I'm not just saying that as a as a fellow publisher, a friend, yeah. like, but as a fan, like somebody who wants to see this stuff out in the world. Yeah, I I did the thirty days. It worked pretty well. It, it was doing pretty well, but you know now I'm seeing some sad days. On this yeah. <laughs> like, crap. <laughs> I, I call those uh, I call those the, the the doldrums. I think there needs to be like a computer analog that can like you know like kill it, like throw the switch early if it sees it going bad. Like like you know maybe this, it's like 
you go up like a roller coaster and all of a sudden it starts to go down like kill the switch before it goes too far but uh, it'll be fine um it just, but never I, know I man we could always do uh we always do three-day kickstarters just you know, just run them for three days or uh, five days. Doesn't Philip yeah. Reed? Doesn't he run them sometimes for really, really small windows? Yeah, I'm planning on. Uh, so what I'm so um, what I'm planning on doing um, is so the cipher system, the cipher system did it um, and went OGL. Right. I wrote <clears throat> I wrote a thing for it. So have you ever played in, in the cipher system stuff? No. No. So, you know, the premise is uh, you pick an archetype and then then it's like, I can't remember. It's like adjective, noun, verb. I'm a, I am a such and such that does such and such that whatever. And then, right. but each like one of those, but one of those words is a list of things you can do. Oh, very cool. Yeah. So it's really neat. <clears throat> but the problem is you say, okay, go make a fighter. Go make a scientist. When you have a 400 page book full of like all these options, it's like, you know, it's, it's overwhelming. So, what I did is I created an archetype. So, like, I can't remember, like, say seven archetypes, six archetypes. And then I narrowed the things that they could choose down to the things that would fit within that archetype. Right. The idea is you could just hand somebody, say, okay, a scientist, da 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 da, 10 minutes later, got a character, not right. hand him a 400 page book, put that on drive through, put that on drive through. And it sold okay. And then, because uh, I went through the community program, but then I got a takedown. I took down. <laughs> they, swept the, they swept the leg, Johnny. They swept the leg. <laughs> I didn't see it coming. And uh, so apparently Monty Cook will take you down. They'll, they'll, they'll tell one, uh, one bookshelf to take you down. So they took me down while I was laying in the dirt. They said, well, um, uh, my Cook, uh, people my Cook, I actually thought your idea was good. Um, but the problem was they wanted to be part of this program. You're supposed to have 50% original content. Okay. And so I also have a post-apocalyptic and a sci-fi thing I was working on. Uh, similar thing where the using these, these, um, these archetypes, but I just thought I, it's just not worth it this time for me to, I just, other things have, have come up. Sure. Other things are gone. Okay. And now all of a sudden that booklet that I made uh, for um, uh, the community program, I can put it on Kickstarter. Okay. <laughs> What's stopping you? <laughs> so so the plan is I am planning on doing, I probably won't do a three-day or one week, but I am going to go back to just a normal for that one. Just do a one week, and if that works, um, then I'm I'll explore other things with uh, with that. Because like so, like for instance, I'm creating uh, material for Journey to the Madlands. Mm -hmm. I can convert that to cipher system. Not a big deal. I'm working on a science fiction setting. I can convert that, but I'm not going to put that time and energy if 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 cipher system. So talking to to, to Zach. Uh, his feeling is, you know, it's it. There's not a lot of excitement around it anymore. So um, we'll see. No, but you know, at the same time, not everything has to be because it's going to sell or because there's a site. If you really like Cypher System, you can always put it out. 
I do, people, but but I'm not good. But the problem is, is I've got limited time, room of sources, and I want to, I want to be, I want to be, I want to be. Uh, I like to do this more full time. Sure, I, I get it. No, I 100 get it. Um, but like, look at Philip Reed. Like we were talking about a minute ago. Like that dude is on his twelfth Kickstarter this year. Twelfth. Yeah. Because I mean, what an amazing accomplishment that 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 he is that he's un- undertook and complete. You know, and his he, he's getting like, oh, here's twelve hundred backers on this one. Here's fifteen hundred backers on this one. Here's eleven hundred backers on this one, and that's just all you know, all people who are fans of his stuff because he puts out such a good product, puts them out fast. They know that it's going to come, and they know that it'll, it'll be there soon. They don't get disappointed. I mean, I got turned on to his stuff through. Um, um, was it Delay Blast Fireball? Delay Blast Zine? Uh, Delay Blast something. It was one of the very first Kickstarters I ever um, I ever backed, and they came so quickly, and they were really high quality. Um, you know, and the the content is you know very dialed into like one thing. You know, like he has that one that just came out. Um, that was like oozes and slimes. Yeah. So that's a great it's a great book if you want something all about oozes and slimes. So. Um, really, he's kind of paving the way for zines at the moment when it comes to like um, delivery and metrics and getting everything super dialed in. You know, um, I mean, there's it's no wonder that he's you know he's on the Kickstarter team now. I mean, <laughs> I mean, yeah, he yeah. he built it and they came. Well, so. I mean, all, I mean, and to put things also in perspective is, uh, you know, he is not only has he done 12 Kickstarters, but he's also on that team, but he also has a full-time job. Yeah, it's nuts. I don't, I don't know how, how he does it. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, I mean, God bless him. I, I couldn't do it. I mean, I, I got, I got my own, my own uh, stuff going on. I can, I think I'm going to have six by the end of the year's out, but I won't deliver them all before the end of the year's out. Not like him. I mean, like I'm half of his number and, I just, yeah, I've only got half my books out. You know, it'll, it'll be, you know, spring before I get everything out. So crazy, crazy oh, how productive that guy is. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm, my goal is if I can get, I'm going to try for five next year. Yeah. I mean, I figured if I could do one every two months, then that, you know, that puts me in, in pretty good air as a publisher, you know, without having to dip over to like Indiegogo or anything. Um, that's about what I have bandwidth for is about six projects uh, and the resources too. Um, and I've got folks who have been very loyal um, as fans and consumers of the content and as friends and just people I see at cons who, who support the work and, you know, are going all along on this crazy ass RPG ride with me, you know, like, well, and, and because they're going back to sister Saren, you know, um, you know, the art, it, it make the cover art, you, you're there's definitely money you put down for art. There's put money you put down for layout. There's there's a lot of money you're putting down ahead of time for this. Um, sure, and that's, and that's not easy. Uh, and then it is speculation. Yes, uh, yeah, but you've got but, enough track history and enough people. You develop an audience where you're expecting I will sell at least X. Well, you hope for that. You know, you don't want. Like I said, I've always make this joke about how I don't want to be living in my car outside of Taco Bell. You know that that can very well happen if you if you don't pay attention, especially if you start to slip on the publisher side of things and you don't answer emails or 
if somebody doesn't get their book and you don't answer back right away or you don't take care of it, um, you know, when somebody tells me that they didn't get the book, like I take it personally, I say, well, all right, well, let me, we're going to do ABC. A lot of times I give free content uh, just to make up for the inconvenience. Like, um, I want to make sure that you get what you pay for. And a lot of times that you're getting more than you bargained for. That's why there's never like any blank space in my books. So it's never going to be like an empty white page. Um, there's something I can put on there to make that, you know, to, to make it that much better. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, but anyway, uh, right. So it's just, it's, it's, it, you know, getting a lot of Kickstarters. And just, my point is, is it, it, the more Kickstarters that you're going, especially if you're trying to fulfill sooner is a whole lot more outlay of cash. You know, it, it definitely. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. But here's the, here's the thing though, man, you can make uh, relationships with, with people. Like I am um, a lot of the people that, that I, that are doing books now, we're doing books with me at the beginning. Adrian Landeros uh, is an artist that I've worked for, or sorry, that I've worked with and collaborated with since my very first module. And I just hired him for two other projects today, you know, um, two covers and like, you know, anywhere from four to six pieces of art, a piece on those. So I will work with him for as long as I can, as long as I can afford him. You know, I, I suspect that one day I'll lose him to video game companies or something. And right. God bless him when I do. Because, um, man, he has earned it. But as long as I can work with that guy, I will. Tracy Steele, she's been my graphic designer since uh, the very second project. So we've done 14 projects at this point together. Um, and tons of little side things that, you know, half the people don't ever see. <laughs> you know, like pamphlet modules and, you know, uh, booths set up and design. Like, she heads up all that stuff, you know. Um, Ed Bickford and Jay Shields. And these are people that I've developed relationships with that they know that I'm going to pay them. They know that the material isn't going to be crappy. Um, or at least it might be crappy, but it might, it won't be second rate. You know, it's not going to come out on, on newspaper or something, you know? Um, so when you develop these relationships with people, then they learn to trust you, you trust them. And, um, they know that you're going to, they know they're going to get paid. So oh, you, okay. you can sometimes front things. You can say, hey, listen, right. I don't have the money to pay you this $900 now. But after the project ends, as soon as I get the money, you'll be the first person who gets paid. It's, you know, some folks are, are down with that. Some aren't. So it can work out. Yeah. And I think, you know, I'm pretty fortunate in my circumstances with the frequency and what I'm dealing with. I, I am able to pay for up front. But, you know, but I'm sure there's going to be times where if, things start rock and roll and it could be it could be a different story i've had to hire other writers before um for bonus material so like when i did dcc uh jungle tomb of the mummy bride that was a you know big 148 page book that was <clears throat> the original was 64 pages this was 148 so lots of bonus material um but i hired people that i liked people who I admired and um many of them were willing to wait until the you know until the the project got funded um and it was the same with a lot of the artists you know so again you develop relationships with people and you, as long as you're good to them and you pay them and you know if you can at christmas shoot them 50 extra bucks for a bonus if you can if you have that uh, a lot of times you can't you know but sometimes you can you know or maybe um you uh you use somebody for 20 pieces of art this year well then 
maybe give them 300 bucks, you know, like if you can, like, it doesn't mean that if you're throwing that money away, you can still write it off on taxes. But I guarantee you that the people who collaborate with you and work with you will appreciate, even if it's 50 bucks out of nowhere, boom, right. you know, who, who does that? So just take care of your people and, you know, give them credit where credit's due and you know, be firm and fair. I think that all that, all that goes a really long way. Oh yeah, it definitely does. And especially as you start, you know, with me, it's, it's definitely now starting to grow to a little bit larger stable of people. So it's, it's turning into a different thing at this moment. Uh, yeah. I really liked some of the art that you had for uh, Gary's appendix. I was reading that in the airport on the way home. And uh, I especially, I don't know why it caught my eye, but that the art for the acolyte um, really caught my eye. I really thought that was a really good piece of art. Because you're taking a a monster or an encounter, a creature of sorts, and you're um, you kind of have a preconceived notion of it, and it's you know that's not something that is getting used a lot. But then you threw that really awesome piece of art in there, and it makes me want to use the acolyte now. <laughs> you know, so it was just yeah, a good piece. Dean Spencer is absolutely phenomenal. I mean, so I agree. I between him and um, Perplexing Ruins. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was, and I, there's another person I just, um, forget her name, but I just also just subscribed to a, it's like Patreon, but it's a different one. So I'm feeling pretty comfortable as far as, uh, as far as, uh, being able to meet the art requirements for future issues of, of Gary's appendix. Yeah. You know, you want to have a, um, you want to have a look to your books that, you know, is fluid more or less um, from each book to each book. You know, you can have some stuff that's radically different or, hey, I'm going to put up the zine. I don't want to look like any other zine I've ever done. I want all these to look different. But as far as like your modules and books and um, source books and stuff go, like I, I feel it's been, this is just my feeling, is that it's beneficial to have um, a consistency of art, um, which again benefits me because I use a lot of the same artists that I started with. Right. So, you know, when you look at uh, uh, Jungle Tomb of the Mummy Bride, which was the first, and you go to like this one, Curse for Sister Sarah, it's the it's the fifth five year uh, adventure I put out, and you know a lot of the same artists are working on it. You know, a lot of this and the, the styles mesh well together. You know, yeah, so. these probably are a little bit different between the the bestiary and the rest, um, but that's the way I'm going to keep it consistent that way. And the other thing that will eventually happen is the best air will get pulled out and it will be its own thing. So yeah, I'll, I'll I mean, do a compiled best area and then it'll all. So really Gary's appendix is the secret is it's, it's, it's funding a future best area. That's it's going to be complete. Yeah. But I mean, like I like getting it in pieces and then, you know, you, Hey, you get the, the omnibus or the annual or the com- complete edition or whatever it is later on and it has all this cool bonus material in it because let's face it part of kickstarter is people who are generous and kind enough to fund your dream you know yes they're getting a product yes they're they're, you know yes it's a business but there's also a component of that that says hey i believe in you i believe in your vision for this cool thing that you're promising us here's some money in advance you don't even have to give it to me for a year or nine months, or six months, or however long it's going to be, and then they get that in the mail. For them, cool, I got this cool thing in the mail. But for you, it's like, oh man, somebody believed in my vision, my ideas, my talent, whatever it might be, and then 
you know, all of a sudden you're a publisher, you know, you've, you're, you're, you're living out your dream, you know? So here's what I find odd that we're just jumping all over the place. Um, I find myself very confident in a lot of ways, but also there's certain aspects I feel like I almost start to get panicky or freak out about. And it's strange. I don't know why that is. Do you find the same way? Like some areas, like people say, I'm nervous. I like, I'm never nervous about this, but this. <laughs> Somebody well, looking yeah, at I mean, one of my books while I'm standing there, it makes me very nervous. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've had a, uh, I've, I've had feelings of like, oh, you don't belong here or like feelings. And this is not not recently, but like the first week when I first started, like, oh, you know, like you're not really a publisher. And then like a, a friend put it to me you know, who's in the, in the business as well. He put, he's like, well, do you pay taxes on your business? I said, yeah. He says, do you have an LLC? Do you pay employees? Did you pay, pay, you pay these? Dude, you're a publisher. Like there are a lot of people who sell way more books than you that are selling them out of their house. Just like you, you know, there's people who don't even, take their books to a warehouse or have people professionally show they do it all by hand. Like you're a publisher. It doesn't take, like, you don't have to be, you don't have to start out on, on, on third base to, to knock, to knock this home run. Like just, just keep at it and keep doing it. You're a publisher. So any of those feelings of inadequacy um, that I might've had early on, they're, they're long gone now. Like I fought for my place at the table and here I am. And I, but are there the any points, not just about inadequacy, but just weird points where you feel like, just odd or you feel out of sorts or feel anxiety or is it pretty much all just uh long gone no so for me like the weirdest really honestly and i say this to my best friend all the time like the weirdest thing for me is thinking like all right so here's here's phylactery omnibus this came out of my brain (laughs) here's 260 some odd pages that didn't exist before recently and it all came out of my head, like everything from the way the book looks to the words that are written in it, to the art direction, to everything. I manifested that out of my brain. It's like it's that is the biggest trip to me. Like like that didn't ex- that didn't exist anywhere in my anywhere but in my head. And now it's here. Like I manifested that out of my brain. It's so it's what so I find bizarre. Weird is is not just that, but the idea that then somebody buys it. That so yes, absolutely. <laughs> like um, I remember telling uh, telling uh, my mentor uh, Casey early on. I said, you know, I want to go into this thinking I'm 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 going to put this stuff out in the world, and it's only a bonus if someone buys it if someone buys it that's great that's a bonus but i really need to put this out for it to be genuine and for it to be uh what i want it to be um even if somebody doesn't buy it i have to be happy with it like it has to be something that i would want to play um and i think i've mostly retained that from my first project to now of course i have the same sort of like concerns about oh do i need to you know, do I need to buy Kickstarter ads or do I need to use backer kit or, you know, all that stuff. Cause you just want things to be successful. You, you did do Facebook ads this time, didn't you? Yeah. My first time doing Facebook ads. And how did it go for you? Um, pretty good. Um, it picked up like, you know, remember we were talking about the, the doldrums earlier. Yeah. It picked up during the middle. And by picked up, I mean like instead of having no sales for like a week, <laughs> you know, where we go by, they'd be like, Oh, there's, 
two two extra backers. And I you see somebody couple- drops and you want to email and say, what can I do to change yeah. your mind? <laughs> what, what, what did I do? What did I do? <laughs> um, instead, it was it was like more of a um, kind of a steady trickle because of that. Um, I already think that I bother people too much, you know, with the emails and the, the Facebook stuff and the Instagram and the Twitter and all the social media stuff. So buying the Facebook ads, for me, I was really on the fence about it. Um, but I talked to Eric Bloat of bloat oh, game yeah. yeah uh super super you, you've had him on your show yeah um yeah. he's just the nicest guy and he says well you know you can do it in a way that it's not aggravating so i followed his advice to a t and i'm, I'm hoping that it wasn't uh super annoying to to I, folks I, I thought about it for fame i just didn't think it was a fit i don't know and it's maybe my own uh misjudgment but uh i just thought i don't know that's going to that's going to get me that much more so let me uh, just say something really quick about your project um so right off the bat when i read something that says fane of the fly god so there's a certain kind of gamer like myself who's you know a little bit grognard a little bit newer gamer you know a little bit kind of a mixture i see a title like that and if i'm not already pushing the buy button i'm reading a little bit into it um but you almost have me at the title. And then you have really good art for the cover. I'm looking at that. I'm thinking, okay, that's, that's, that's two, two strikes before the home run. That's, that's, that's good. And then when I start reading like, Oh, you get all this extra stuff with it. And it, it it details this boom, I'm already in. So, you know, you, you had me right off the bat. Well, but I think that's it. I think the people who, who, I think that's just it. Cause you're either in or you're out when you see it. Cause I have a friend says, I'm not, I'm not Ralph from last week, he told me, he says, I'm not supporting this Kickstarter. I'm not buying this Kickstarter. <laughs> okay, Ralph. You know. But I, I, because we start talking about it, it's the, it's the, um, it's the, it's the theme just bothers him. So I, I'm telling you, while we were at, I, I was at uh, Game Hole Con sitting with Clarion, friend had left, I'm just kind of sitting, nothing going on. And for some reason in Facebook, they showed it looked like it was going to be a bot fly removal from a person's thumb. And I'm watching this. And it wasn't a bot fly. It was much larger than a bot fly. And it took him a long time to pull out his personal thumb. Like, way more. And I'm like, fascinated. I go talk to Ralph afterwards. He's like, he did not want to see that. <laughs> well, I remember, I remember last year at, at Game Hole Con, you were, um, you were at the Planet X booth. And you were talking to Trevor Stamper. Yeah was there and you know he's a bug scientist is he not yeah i forget what they're called uh, it, i forget the term like entomologist yeah 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 um yeah and he you know he's he knows all about that kind of stuff and you guys kind of got into like a really detailed discussion about flies <laughs> and and I, I i'm just sitting there like fascinated like this is i wish i could run into somebody like this who could give me all the inside skinny on well know, cool stuff. i will tell you what's funny about trevor um it, and this is this is really funny. So I go, I my very first game I go. Uh it, it I play in a mutant crawl classics. And we're we're kind of talking, and then somehow Trevor like let it be known, like, oh, he listens to my podcast. But he was like dead quiet, did not really respond a whole lot to me uh during the game we played, and I thought, oh well. And then I I talked to him about the fly god and like he's super animated. And then I realized 
And I think there just may have been we said something else. It's like I think he just was nervous for whatever reason. And but yeah, he ended up being a super guy. And it's just like there's nothing, but it was just kind of funny. Like it just he just opened up and knows so much about flies. Uh well, and another thing, if you want to talk about a guy who's making some really cool zines, um, I just received uh it was uh Tales from the Smoking Worm. Yeah. The ha- the hanging gardens. Did you get this one? I don't know. I may or oh, may not you, have it. You would know it if you got it because it's super, super cool. Like it comes with these cards and it's made of really heavy stock. It's really well put together. There, there's all these, like there's a fold in the back, uh, the back cover where you can put, you can insert the cards and it's just, it's just really well done. Like really, really on point. And I, I got it in the mail. I was, you know, just kind of marveling over it. And I hadn't really spoke to Trevor in, uh, I don't know, four or five months on, 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 uh, on Facebook. And I just had to, just mail him out i'm not email him out of the blue and say man like this is a really really nice zine like you did outstanding job like um so he's killing it man like he's another guy like I, i'm really interested to see what kind of like stuff that he puts out in the future so i think he's one of those people that has the um the foresight and the the vision to put out some really cool projects yeah, I think in some ways he's in some ways a little bit like Phil Reed, except for kind of experimenting in one direction. Um, he's obviously looking at physical ways of doing things yes. in the physical I, realm. And so, yes, I agree. He's definitely one of the most clever, uh, uh, smart people that I that I know who's able to uh, talk with passion and uh, in very interesting ways about a number of subjects. Yeah. Um, again, I just, uh, yeah. I'm really, I'm, you know, he's, he's, as far as being a customer, he's got me because I'm really interested to see where those, uh, what he does with, with, uh, with his future zines. And here's another thing now that I'm, I'm thinking about it. Again, I know we're all over the place. Like we are every time, Yeah. but like when I think about zines, there's a real like push lately for these really high quality, really nice, uh, zines with like you know the uh, uh, Rizograph and you have all these you know the 3D zine and I think a Trevor zine. Some of them have these really great covers made of uh, just interesting stock. I got one the other day from um, I said the other day like <laughs> nine months ago uh, from uh, from Tony Fazenda of um, Plus One. He he had a beard RPG that he did as a zine and it came with an actual wooden piece. Um, I thought that was really, really cool. I thought I there's a Tony Vicenda lookalike at Game Hall. Like he doesn't dress like Tony's like I don't think Tony dresses like that, but boy, my goodness, he could he could almost be a body devil for Tony. That dude and, is a I don't know if you've ever met him in person, but he is a gem of a of a human being. Um I met him uh last year at PAX. I ho- hope that he'll be there again this year. And we had lunch and uh with a couple other folks and he was just a really interesting person but you could tell that he really loved games and that he not even even so much enjoyed making games himself but he really enjoyed seeing other people achieve their goals in games like he he really liked helping them um you know which is great for somebody who has a a, a podcast all about you know (laughs) playing games uh you know the other hundred things that he's got his uh his fingers into and I mean that in the best way. Um, but the hobby needs more people like that who are um, as supportive and um, 
just as welcoming as that guy is. Oh, yeah, I agree. Also, jump back to the Rizzo graph. Uh, I never really understood the Rizzo graph thing until I was at Trevor's, uh, his secret uh, hideout. Um, <laughs> the Fortress of Doom. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, I, I'm going to tell you, um, his secret hideout, um, I looked at this, I'm like, um, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I, to get, I, could, print, I could do the secret hideout thing press, too. Right? I got new, huh? He has his own printing press, right? He, well, no, uh, no, he doesn't. Ha- he doesn't have a printing press, uh, but he's got a number of other things. What he's wanting to do is not do. Uh, he has, he's got like a, a foil a stamper, but he also <laughs> he's looking at binding. He's looking at so book cool. binding uh, and rebinding books. That's kind of where he's headed, but. But he showed me, so he, he graciously handed me uh, <laughs> three issues of Smoking Worm. And um, and it's never been an avenue I went, because I'm not a DCC guy. I normally don't play uh, fantasy. It's just it's just not, you know, um, I do occasionally. Well, it's, it's probably less usable than a, like a direct adventure than I would maybe occasionally would run. But anyway, but great stuff. And, and I, you know, Trevor's a great guy. But he showed me the... Um, Rizograph for the smoking worm, and then I got it uh, because it was black, but then he used a blue ink, mm-hmm. and that blue ink it it wasn't embossed, but it stood out like above it, it wasn't above the it was not above it, but it it really the color of the blue was not like a blue like you're gonna get from Mixum. it had actually stood out like in a way that was pretty fascinating. So you can use a little bit of that here and there, you know, and I kind of, you can use it, if you use it, of course, I'm not like an expert, but I could see using it sparingly, it could, you could use it for great effect. Mm. Well, like I was saying, man, I'm, I'm really interested to see where he, where he goes um, with the physical quality of, of, of zines. Cause he's, he's doing something different and, you know, and we're, we're in a hobby that, um, you know, I wouldn't say flooded, um, but I'm going to say flooded <laughs> with uh, folks like us, you know, who who are doing uh, independent publishing. You know, there's a, a lot of independent publishers out there, and um, he's just doing something a little different. He's found a way to to do something that uh, draws attention and makes people interested in what what's to come next. But what he's doing, I think, is he's he's starting to merge two things. So he's starting to merge the old and the new together I, I can't wait to see where it goes you know he's not doing anything new uh but he's doing a lot of things new with zines yeah oh yeah 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 and, that's, and that's, that's, what, that's what i mean and i don't just saying, but that's the thing is like we don't think about that where it's like there are really great ideas or great things of doing things it's just like why can't we just bring this into what it is we're doing listen i've been a fan of zine culture going all the way back to my teenage years you know i do- actually documented my my zine dna uh in the third issue of the phylactery of it was the editorial um and it goes all the way back to when i was like you know 12 13 years old um and then I you think know, you're gonna do like a 23 and me kind of thing no no, no. <laughs> yes. I'm, I'm like 127 zine from scandinavia <laughs> <laughs> no but i mean zines go out go back a long long way and um they've been around for as long as i've been around um and longer but 
Uh, I've consumed them in all kinds of different forms, from pop culture zines to especially music zines, and then just zines about nothing. You know, just about just pe- pe- zines that you know people were writing in the '90s about literally nothing. Like they were the Seinfeld of zines. Um, and then now we have this great uh, revolution in uh, in RPG zines. You know, that is just you know, it's, it's like a, a, a whole nother boom. I mean, it's, some of the stuff that I'm seeing coming out is like, it's so crazy without the, without zine culture and without the, this big boom in zines, we never would have seen these ideas hit. And, um, no, I'm just, I know, I know that if it wasn't for zines, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing. Literally. I would not. It, it, that was, that was this, that was the spark. That's what set it off for me was the zines, like seeing that. And it just, clicked in my head i was such a knucklehead like i'd never heard anybody say the word zine even when i was a kid i'd never heard anybody say the word zine so i thought it was zine so for years i said zine 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 i was saying oh and i was thinking like fanzine you know like there was all this time it was really fanzine not magazine but fanzine and that's where zine comes from is the the fanzine and i thought oh all these years, I sound like a complete asshole. <laughs> well, it's the, it's the Paladin thing. It's just, it's Paladin or Paladin. It's like yeah. I've been saying it wrong all these years, or and now I don't know what yeah, bestiary or bestiary. <laughs> oh no, that's definitely bestiary. <laughs> There's no A. <laughs> the, but yes, exactly. Uh, the uh, in, in in draw and drow. I mean, that's another one. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Tomato. Tomato. <laughs> I've, I've got a feeling at this at this uh, stage of the night we could probably uh, go too far down this road. I better well, I better hit the brakes before I, I go down that level of absurdity. But maybe we'll we'll turn the corner um, a little bit. Uh, you did earlier. You were talking about what wanting to get into potentially podcasting. You had some questions. Oh yeah, off uh, no off off air. We were talking about it. Yeah, um, I've been wanting to do this for a long time. Um, but I, I didn't think I had anything really to add to the discourse of things. You, you know what I mean? Like there's nothing new that I could do week yeah. from week to week that I thought people would be interested in enough to talk about. Cause like, you know, a lot of my favorite shows like already cover the stuff that I find interesting, you know, like uh vintage RPG, they, they pick up RPG from, you know, it could be new, could be old, could be anything in between. And they, you know, go over it in a 15 minute time frame. Boom. You've got like a little capsule snapshot of it. Uh, like Wizards and Wobblies. I love Shane because he's so enthusiastic. Like he, that's a guy who loves games. You know, I, I really enjoy doing his show and I enjoy listening to it. Um, and again, it's a thousand percent because of his, of his enthusiasm, you know, for the whole thing. And it goes for a lot of shows that I listen to, you know, it, it really comes down to like, what is this person bringing to the table? And is it genuine? So it took me a long time to kind of figure out what I wanted to do and like how, what I wanted the, the vibe for it that I wanted to go for. Um, Cause it couldn't be anything less than genuine. And I think I might take this podcast and I might like loop it into something like Patreon. Cause I mean, I have <laughs> so much stuff that people have not seen that uh, I could just put on Patreon and not, you know, right. not make a Kickstarter out of it, you know, small right. things to, you know, weekly features and I don't know I'll, I'll get there. I will get there eventually. Um, but I want the pod, I want, I want a, a podcast, the podcast to be a part of that. 
you know, and it doesn't just have to be about RPGs because RPGs aren't even just about RPGs. Like when we're sitting around a table playing games, we're not just playing the game. We're talking about movies. We're talking about pop culture. We're talking about TV shows and memories and all these different things that, you know, go that, that surround and um, make up the experience of playing the games we love so much. So um, it'll be something more like that. Yeah. And I do have a name for it. <laughs> I'm going to go with, uh, and I've debated this, but this is the one I finally landed on. I'm going to go with uh, Reverend Werewolf's Monster Mania Old Time Family Hour. Oh, that's fine. <laughs> Which is a title that no one will ever remember. And you absolutely is not sellable, but I think it's cool. <laughs> so it's either going to be that or uh, the, the the deadly fists of Black Belt Dracula. So we oh, uh, we landed on podcast. <laughs> no, no, just the one. <laughs> yeah. So when do you plan on on uh, launching this thing? Uh, well, I've got a bunch of stuff planned out already. It's just uh, it, it's a matter of having the time that i can so if you do if you do patreon you need to have your ducks in order you know you have all your ducks in a row you need to have your affairs in order and make sure that um you can get this content out on time and that it's quality content so right now i'm just in that stage of building up things like you know this is at this tier you'll get this at this you know so i've got to have a bunch of stuff a bunch of stuff already done before I can start even thinking about taking somebody's money, you know, for, for uh, a Patreon. So you're just thinking about, but you could just do the, the podcast separate from the Patreon. I could, but that's one of the cool things that I want to use um, to sweeten the pot for people, because I, I love podcasts. I consume like, 20 of them a week you know like i listen to, po- to podcasts all the time i'm subscribed to so many of them. i'm so behind on a bunch of them but i think that really sweetens the pot sweetens the deal that if you are somebody who follows this um you know th- that follows this patreon or supports this patreon you get these episodes a week early or you get them five days early or three days early or you know, whatever you know that you're able to access those, and then you get bonus podcasts on top of that. Right, but I'm still you still can you can still do the podcast before you do the Patreon. No, I I could, yeah, um, yeah ab- ab- absolutely. But isn't it cooler to get like seven or eight of them in the can first, so that I never ever run behind, or at least that I have a huge jump? I wouldn't on, know. First. I wouldn't know. <laughs> wouldn't I mean, it's cool? obvious I love talking because wouldn't, I wouldn't it be this. cool? I I think I got like three ahead once. <laughs> No, and there's a ton, you know, there's a ton of people that I've met through doing podcasts that yeah. I think would be fantastic guests. So and you talk about all kinds of crazy stuff, but um, you know, there's a I, I have a format, I have ideas. Uh, I'm not it, it won't be something as as energetic or as amazing as um, as uh, Joey Rail's Pizza Party, which is the craziest podcast I've ever been on, or like the Epic Levels um, Mad Dungeon when they do that. Like those those are crazy podcasts. Uh, you know, uh, the old men rolling dice. It's another uh, crazy one where you do some really interesting stuff. I prefer more like this natural conversation between uh, two or more people. That's that's kind of the, the the thing that I enjoy. I like having a nice back and forth with people, you know, and, and hearing ideas and um, just unique 
unique perspectives on things that maybe I thought I knew everything about. <laughs> you <Yeah>. know, like <laughs> Yeah, and, and definitely, you know, putting him and having a head in the can is is there's nothing wrong with that at all. It's probably the, the wise thing to do, but I'm, I've never been known to follow the course of wisdom. Well, I, again, <laughs> when, when you take people's money for something, I just feel like you need to have your ducks in a row. That's, oh, yeah. that's, yeah. that's, what that's really what it boils down to. Yeah, that makes Otherwise, sense. I could just start tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, well, that's cool. So you got everything all laid out. You've got your 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 program will kind of laid out what you want to do. You kind of have a general idea as far as people. And so it sounds like you're pretty well set then. Oh, I have no idea about people, but that, that'll come. Like there's enough people I can call to call in a few favors to hold my hand while I uh, walk myself through this thing. Yeah. And I think <laughs> if you, if, if you think having the problem I face, if you get behind is, um, you know, the it's, um, it's it's scheduling it can be because you if you like you need something for next week and you contact a person and then you don't hear back from them and then you're you know you try and follow up but you didn't also if you ask another person you know then also they both say yes and it's like you know trying to figure out if you if you got limited time during the week it can be it, that can get kind of nerve-wracking like like for instance like you and i could do a swap cast you know, we're like, where one day we, we, we have an interview, but like, you know, well, you know, one, 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 you know, one week it's on yours, another week it's on, it's on mine. You know, or we could do, we could split it up to where like half of it's on mine, half of it's on yours. There's all kinds of cool things that you can do with, with other podcasters. Oh, there is, there is. Um, and there is. And I think also, you know, the, you know, for me to be doing an hour and a half every week is, is probably not very smart. Um, but, it works. It's, I mean, it works out fine, but you know, that's probably not a, a great model to be following. <laughs> not for anybody. <laughs> uh, so not for anybody. <laughs> no, I mean, it's just, you know, it, but you know, we could do like what I'm doing and just say, you know what, we're, I'm going to get three episodes out of this. It's going to be an hour and a half, but we're only do 20 minute episodes. And, uh, that'd be a, a, a wiser use of time. <laughs> <laughs> look, man, you look like you're about on, out on your feet. You look tired. Oh yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, I don't know what it's been. I'm tired since Game Hole Con, but no, I've got uh, got a lot going on between work and stuff outside of work, and trying to get Fane done, and trying to get other stuff going, and it's just like need to. I need to I need to retire from my job so I can just pursue my hobbies to the fullest. <laughs> and that's the dream. <laughs> and then the hobbies become jobs. You gotta yeah. find new hobbies. <laughs> and that's what I'm kinda kinda concerned about. Uh we'll see if, if it gets to that point. We'll see. I'm 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 trying to set everything up for we'll trying to get set everything up. See how next year goes. Um that will that'll tell a lot what what the future could hold. So we'll see. But yes, and it's later where you're at, but you're holding quite quite well. Well, I, I'm 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 a I'm an old man. I'm about ready to lay my head down and, and pass out. All righty. Well, I think we we went past. I I think I was. <laughs> I thought we would uh, do a short one, but I, of course I should know better. <laughs> They're never short, Jeff. They never are, Levi. We go so, all over the place. We talk about all kinds of stuff. 
Well, you have a good night, and I'll talk to you uh, again sometime soon. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for giving me a platform to talk about my uh, all my silly shit. Oh, yeah. And uh, <laughs> I, I really do appreciate it, man. All right. Take care. All right, man. Have a good one.